and the various building projects that are taking place. Uh, within walking distance of this church, three unique building projects are under construction in different phases. As you walk out the door this morning and look to your right or to your south is Magnolia Hills. In that section back there will eventually be a, it's either 93 or 94 homes. It's somewhere in the ninth, lower 90 range uh, of two-story and, and one-story single-family homes. Uh, those homes are priced for uh, the term, I don't even know if they use this term anymore, the, uh, the young families who are upwardly mobile. I don't, I don't know if that term is even used anymore or not, but, but these are, these are, they're designed for young families. Uh, one of the reasons why we know this is if you were to drive back in there and as you get to the back, there's a playground that they've got built back there, a community playground. So they're expecting that that's going to be a place where, where younger families are going to come in, move in. Uh, the homes, uh, there'll be families whose uh, combined income will have to be somewhere around 120000 or more uh, to be able to afford the home. But, but that's one, uh, one of the building projects going on around us. If you were to go out and make a right and then make another ride and head west on Sublet, as you get close to little, uh, uh, to, to little Road, you'll find Oak Courts. There are 14 single-story homes going in that little piece of property. Now, my wife didn't believe it. I was telling the elders. My wife and I, we were driving. I said, there's 14 homes. She said, there's no way 14 homes are going in there. I said, yeah, there is. I mean, I was on the P&Z when we, we approved it. Yeah, I know there's 14 homes going in there. And we drove back around, and I showed her the thing. And, and uh, uh, my, my wife is from Texas, but I think she's from Missouri because she's the show-me state, okay? So, so we drove back in there, and I counted off each lot. One, two, three, four, five, you know, and, and, and went through there and, and did that. Uh, and and uh, let me just say this, too. I'm just as stubborn as she is, so she has to put up with me just as much. But, but, we went, and, and, but those homes are, are unique in the sense of this way. It's a gated community. There are zero lot lines. The, the garages are rear entry garages, and there's no street parking. And, and those 14 homes are, even though they're homes, like this other section is homes, yet th- this, that, this, these homes are designed for a, another clientele. These are luxury single family and it's senior homes it's it's designed for seniors uh for seniors to live there seniors who don't want to necessarily live in an apartment or or live in a uh a duplex seniors that want to uh still have their own home but yet don't want to have to do the maintenance and all the upkeep with it and so uh that is provided for them there if you were to go out the church and make a right instead of going right go left and, and, and head head east on Sublet Road, just past Steeplechase, construction. You'll see construction off to your right. There's a there's a 7-Eleven that's going in there. I think there's an O'Reilly's that's going in there. But there's also a three-story apartment complex that's going in there. Uh, this this apartment complex is is going to have one, two, and three bedroom luxury apartments. It's going to have all the amenities one would expect from that type of complex, including the rents uh, that you would expect. From that type of complex. And while all this construction is to provide living space for individuals, for couples, for families, each project is unique in its use of space and its desired clientele. Uh, They're all building places to live, but they're each unique in in, in who they're trying to target, who they're trying to reach, and, and, and what their goal and objective is. But I want to tell you this morning there's a fourth building project that is taking place in this geographical location that is unlike any of the three just previously mentioned. Its construction is not targeting a certain demographic. 
It's not going after young professionals, young families of professionals. It's not going after seniors. It's not targeting those who maybe are younger that don't want to buy a home but would rather live in an apartment. It doesn't target any certain demographic. Its cost cannot be measured in dollars or in cents. And its clientele is determined by a choice. And, and, and if you haven't, I'm sure you've guessed, but, but if you haven't, uh, you've surmised that the building project I'm referring to is God's corporate worldwide building project, uh, the Universal Church, or it's also referred to as God's Temple, and in particular, the construction site that is located here at 601 Wildcat Way. There's construction going across the street. There's construction going uh, to uh, again to the west uh, to the east west yeah west of us. There's construction going to the east of us. There's construction going all around. But the greatest construction, the most important construction project that is taking place, is happening right here. It's happening right here. It's happening today. It happens every week. It will continue to happen until Jesus comes, and that's the building project that we are wanting to talk about today and what is talked about in our text. As we shared last week, our text is found at the end of the first section of this book, which focuses on the believer's identity. And in verse 4, when you come to verse 4, there's a change in emphasis. It changes from individual to corporate Christian experience, and there's also a change in the simile that's being used, in the description that's being used. Previously, it talked about an infant as newborn babes, as newborn infants desire uh, the, the milk, uh, and, and we talked about that. But now the, the, the emphasis, the simile has changed from, from likening us to infants to likening us to a building. And our text states two undeniable truths about us as believers. It, 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 the first thing is you. Uh, you, and again, it's a collective plural. You, y'all, we are being built into a spiritual house. Look at, the, look at the text. He says, You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house. You, us, we are being built into a spiritual house. And you, us, we are the priests who minister in it. He says, We are not only, and I'll say this again, we are not only the material of the buildings, we are of God's building, we are the priests that serve in that building. So we're not only the priests, we're also the stones. We're the material, and we're the ones that, 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 that uh, serve within that building. So that's some of the change that's taking place here. And so this morning, I, I want to kind of look at this in a construction way. We're going to think about, and when you think about construction, what products do you use? What's the material that you use in the construction? Well, you want to know if you're in construction, what's the timetable? Uh, you know, that, that's usually one of the first questions. How long is it going to take for this thing to get built? How long is it going to take for us to be able to get into it and, and live in it or to be able to, to use it? And then we're going to look at the purpose of it. What, what is the purpose of this structure that God is building, that, that we have a part in something that goes beyond not just our location, that goes beyond, it's been in existence since the time of Pentecost, and that will not end until Jesus comes. What is our role what is our role to play as it comes to the temple of God being built? What is the role that, that we play? 
Well, let's look at the product of material use. Look, look at verse, look at verse five, and 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 we see the type of material God uses in His building. Look at verse five. He says, "You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up." He says, "You yourselves." There's, there, there is a there is an emphasis here. Peter wants to make sure they get the point. Peter wants them to make sure that they understand who is being referred to here. He says, "You." You yourselves, you yourselves are being built up, he says, and, and, and you, are, you are as living stones. You are as living stones. You yourselves like living stones or as living stones. Again, we see the simile here. We are the building material. The building material that God is using to build his temple. All you got to do, if you want to know what the building material is, look in the mirror. If you want to know what the building material is, if we could do it some way where we could have, where we could flash up on screen everybody sitting out here today that, that knows Jesus Christ as their Savior, you'd be flashing up on the screen. And in this context, it's collective. We are the building material. We are the building material that God is using to build His grand building project, His temple. His temple. So, why this simile? Why does Peter use this simile? Well, he uses this simile because of our connection to Christ, who is the living or life-giving stone. Again, he looked at the text, he says, As you come to him, verse 4, a living stone. A living stone. And he's going to talk about this, this, this use of stone, Christ being the living stone, Christ being the cornerstone. And makes the point as he looks from Isaiah and looks from the Psalms that, that, that when, when, when Isaiah is talking about uh, this, these stones, when, when the psalmist is talking about these stones, when the scriptures are referring to the cornerstone, the, that the, uh, the, 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 the cornerstone, uh, in fact, he, he talks about it later on in verse uh, 6. He says, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone, chosen, precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. Verse 7, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. He's quoting from Isaiah. He's quoting from the Psalms. And he's letting, he's letting the, these New Testament uh, uh, believers know that, that Jesus Christ is who's being talked about in these Old Testament passages. And Jesus Christ is the living stone, the life-giving stone, and we are connected to him. And because we are connected to him, we are living stones, which is an oxymoron. Stones don't live. Stones don't live, unless it's the Star Trek episode. I I don't know if y'all remember. I mean, the old Star Trek episode where these rocks were alive. I mean, these huge boulders were alive. Or, you know, it's something from, you know, I forget what movie it was. Gosh, it's something the grandkids were watching. And And all the stones became alive, you know. You know, uh, you know th- those are, those, uh, w- we look at that and we know it's fantasy. Stones don't have feelings. Stones aren't alive. You can't kill a stone. A stone's a stone. But here we're called living stones. We're living stones, that connection. And he's been making this connection between us and Christ all throughout this book in this first section. By means of Christ's resurrection, we have a living hope. Chapter 1 and verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. 
He, Jesus is the living stone. He is the life-giving stone because He is the one who rose from the dead. And because He resurrected from the dead, you and I will as well. I cannot be threatened by death. I, they, they, I can be threatened with death, but, and while I certainly don't want to be threatened, and I'm sure that there would be fear in my heart if I was threatened, I don't have to give in to that fear because I'm going to live forever. Not in this body, but in a body, uh, this body that has become uh, uh, glorified, I will. I'm going to live. So by means of Christ's resurrection, we have a living hope into an inheritance since we have been born again through the life-giving quality found in the seed of God's Word. Look at verse 22 of chapter 1. Again, having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for sincere brotherly love, love one another. Uh, he says, from a, from a pure heart, from a pure heart, uh, that we have, we, have been, we have been born, he says, not of, uh, verse 23, since, since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding word of God. Again, that idea of living. We have a living hope. We have been uh, uh, conceived with uh, an imperishable living seed. And we are living stones because of our connection. Because of our connection with Christ's resurrection, we have living hope. Because of our connection and the fact that we have been conceived through the living, imperishable word, we also, have, uh, we also are called living stones. This idea of living over and over and over and over and over again. Stones don't possess life. But being connected to the living stone means God's building is organic. God's building is organic. We are growing. We are living. We are in process. We are changing. We are maturing. We are a growing, living, organic body. We are a growing, living, organic body set of materials that God is using to build His grand and glorious temple. Again, one of the things that we see is the fact that when you look at this text is that these stones are not pictured as individual stones. Living, you know, you've got a pile of stones over here, you've got a pile of stones over here, you've got some stones in this field, you've got some stones at this building site, but rather these stones are viewed collectively as part of God's great spiritual house. As living stones of the living stone. And here's the application. As living stones of the living stone, we walk the same path, but also share the same destiny at Jesus Christ. As Jesus Christ. Look at verse 4. As you come to Him, a living stone, and on the one hand... Given a, a literal translation, as you come to him, a living stone, on the one hand, rejected by men, but on the other hand, in the sight of God, chosen and precious. On the one hand, he's rejected by men. But God rejects the evaluation of men. And the stone that was rejected, uh, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about this, the stone, that, that's the idea of that word, we mentioned it last week as well, the idea of that word has the idea of examining it and saying it has no use and no value. And this stone that the leaders of the nations looked at and said, Jesus, Jesus is not going to be the leader of our nation. 
He is of, of no use and no value. It's the same stone that, Jesus, that God takes, and He says it's chosen and it's precious. And so because of our connection to Him, because this is the grand house that He's building, and because we are connected to Him, then we have to realize that the way His walk is, His, his experience will be our experience. It means we're going to face trials. It means we're going to face persecutions. It means we're going to face difficult days. It means we, 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 we face the possibility of rejection. That our, our views, our values, uh, ourselves are rejected by the culture. We're, we're going to face that. Uh, it shouldn't surprise us. It shouldn't cause us sadness. It shouldn't make us say, how can we make the culture... How can we be more culturally acceptable? We're going to be rejected. We're not going to be welcomed with open arms. We're we're not going to be embraced. Our values, our views, as it relates to Scripture, are not going to be embraced. They're not going to be welcomed. But at the same time, we experience all the experiences that Christ has. And He experienced resurrection and exaltation. And so shall we, as we walk faithfully with Him. And God is building up this great spiritual house that is built upon the cornerstone of Jesus Christ. And the materials that God is using to do this. Now again, all this relates to our identity. All this is relating to our identity. God is building the most magnificent spiritual house. And what He's using to build it with is us. It's us. Now you think about it. What makes a 2,000 square foot house, what's the difference between that house being worth $300,000 and that house being worth $700,000? Well, a lot of it could be location, certainly. But let's say they're located on the same street. What's the difference? The difference is, is the materials that they're built inside. Are the cabinets plywood? Are they solid oak? Are the fixtures, you know, metal plated? Or are they gold? What kind of trim does it have? Um, You know, what, 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 all the different things. I mean, you can take and and add all kinds of things into that house and make it more valuable by the materials that are being used. I mean, how many of us would say, yeah, I'll, yeah, that, that house was put together with, they ripped out old, old two-by-fours that, you know, had 50-year-old two-by-fours that were kind of out in the weather for a while. Yeah, build my house with that. We want to make sure that the materials that are being used to construct something in which we want to live in, we want to make sure those materials are good materials. Because if they're not, the house collapses. The house falls. And you think about it. You think about who you are. You think about the struggles you have. You think about the things in, in which and how we live out our lives uh, of walking with the Lord. And yet God, and you think about, again, I love our church. And I think we've got a great, and I think we've got a great church. I think we've got great, great people. But yet we're people. <laughs> we're people. And sometimes, sometimes we're not so great. Sometimes we're not. 
but yet God wants to use the material that he's using to build his house is us. Is us. Because, not because we're so great, but because we are connected to the living stone. It's all of Christ. All of Christ. We're connected to him. He also wants to encourage them as it relates to their identity by not just the materials that are being used, but notice also the progress of construction. Look at verse 4 again. He says, As you come to Him. I learned something this week about construction that I didn't know. Bryson is developing property, about 40 acres that, that they bought next to him, and, and they're pouring streets in there. He's, he's developing the, the, the lots and stuff and cutting the streets and doing that. And, and they've already got some streets poured. Some houses are already going up. And he's got other streets that need to be poured so they can start building more houses back in there. And they were supposed to come this week and pour, pour the rest of the streets. But you know what happened in the early part of the week, don't you? It rained. It rained. So I was talking to him. I said, well, are they going to get to you next week? He says, oh, Dad, it don't work that way. <laughs> it don't work that way when it comes to concrete. He says, we've got to get back in line. He says, they don't knock you down and say, he says, okay, well, we didn't get to you this week, so we'll push every, proje- every other project down a week, and so we'll come and get you next week. He says, it doesn't work that way. He says, how it works is this way. Well, I'm sorry, you know, sorry about your bad luck. <laughs> you know, it rains your week, so we're going to come back in, okay, we can come back in three weeks because we're not going to move these other projects because they're on a timetable too. And so I said, well, when's it look like they're going to come? He said, oh, it could be two or three weeks. It could be two or three weeks before. So you, you have this progress that he was hoping would be further along has now become impeded. Now become impeded. So as, as, as God is building this construction, what, what, what's the construction timetable here? How do we collectively make progress? And, and one of the things that we can ask ourselves is, in understanding that, what do we know about God's construction timetable? Well, we do know this. This construction of God's spiritual house, it ends with the return of Christ. When Christ returns, we're done. We're done. It ends with the return of Christ, which means this, that this project, this progress is multi-generational in scope. Just meditate on this for a second. Back in the year 563, I don't even have any idea what was going on in 563, but there there were bodies of believers in 563, in certain parts of the world in 563. And God was using those groups of believers to help build this spiritual house. And they had a particular, particular goal, particular objective, particular responsibility to reach their generation in their time. In the year 1356, in the year 1612, in the year 1963, in the year 2021. And if Christ doesn't come back soon, in the year 2307, you have this multi-generational progress that's taking place. It's not going to end until Christ comes. But, but not only are we connected to one another because we're connected to Christ, but we are connected to all believers from all generations. 
We're connected to those believers that lived in 563. We're connected to those believers that lived in 1376. We're connected to those believers who lived in 1612. We're connected to them. And, and God used in them, in their time, in their particular era, and used them to build his spiritual house just as God is using us in the time that we live in, in the culture that we live in, in the circumstances of the world that we live in, and continuing to build his spiritual house. We are part of something that has been going on for over 2,000 years. And God has a special place, a special part for us to play in the building of this grand spiritual structure. Also, the completion date is unknown. Nobody knows it, but it is certain. It is certain. And our collective progress is a continual process. Again, as you come or as you all, and the verbal phrase, you could translate it this way, as you all are being built. As you come to him, a, a, a living stone, a rejected. But as, and verse 5, as you all are being built. As you all are being built. This idea of this collective process, this continual process. And you say, well, how does progress occur? How does progress occur? Well, the text, as we read earlier, gives us, as you come to Him. This progress occurs as we, literally, to Him coming. How do we progress? How how does God build this spiritual house? God builds it as we come to Christ in every situation in every circumstance, in every trial, in every difficulty, in every decision of wisdom that needs to take place, as we as a church recognize that our, 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 our hope, our sufficiency is found in the person and work of Jesus Christ as we, as we uh, lay our burdens upon Him, as we cast all our cares upon Him because He cares for us, as we strengthen one another by reminding each other of who we are in Christ and what we have and how we can pray for each other and intercede for each other as we continually come to Christ. We're built up. We make progress. We look more like Christ. We look more like Christ. We interact with each other like Christ. We're coming together. We're making progress, this construction. Whatever part we're playing, whether if we're just a wall socket, you know, a wall outlet, whatever part we play, we do it well. We're making progress. Because we keep coming to Christ. And, and, and it goes back to the relationship. Look again at verse 4. He says, as you come to Him. Well, who's the Him? The Him is back up in verse 3. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good as you come to Him. We've tasted that the Lord is good. Excuse me, in initial salvation. We taste that the Lord is good as we continue to walk with Him. The process is not just a one-time taste and that's it. But we keep tasting, we keep experiencing the goodness of God. 
and we keep growing as we experience this goodness of God and this continual thing. We keep tasting, we keep tasting, we keep tasting, we keep experiencing God because as we come to Him, we are making the progress that we need to make what God wants to do with us as part of this grand spiritual house. Wow. That's who we are. That's how we grow. That's how we mature together. We keep coming to Him. We submit to Him. We follow Him. He's our wisdom. He's our strength. He's our sustenance. He's our hope. He's our guide. We keep coming to Him. As a church not just individually, as a church, we come to Him. What does He have to say about this? What's His thoughts? What's His wisdom? What's His directions? We come to Him. We come to Him. We come to Him. Now, just as Magnolia Hills, Oak Oak Courts, and the apartments has a specific purpose in the structures that are being built... The houses that are being built at Oak Hills look different than the houses that are being built over here. Take a look. Houses on Oak Courts are shotgun because the lots are so small. It's it's shotgun. Out here, it's not. Different clientele, different purpose, seniors, young families. Different. Just as all these structures has a specific purpose in how it's being constructed and how it's being built, so too does God's structure. What is the purpose of the structure that God is being built here? What is God trying to accomplish? Again, look at our text. He says, you yourselves like living stones are being built up as a spiritual house. Purpose to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. There's the purpose. To be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices. To be, to offer. Be and do. Being and doing. What we are to become are priests as we serve in this place. What we do as priests is to offer up spiritual sacrifices that are acceptable to God. That's God, that is God's purpose. That is God's purpose for building this place. And, and we'll talk about that more in just a second. You see, again, as we said earlier, we are not only the stones that form the house, but also the priesthood that serves in it. The purpose of this structure is to transform our identity and purpose. The purpose of this structure is to help train us to regain what was lost in the fall. When God created the heavens and earth, and God placed Adam in Eden, I'm sorry, in Eden, it is not the garden of Eden. It's the garden in Eden. You have Eden, and then you had a garden. And we don't have time to get into it, but there's plenty of plenty of, 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 of good Bible scholars that would back up this opinion. The garden was the first temple. It was a place where Adam and Eve met God the place where Adam and Eve met God. 
God, and Adam served as the first priest. The first priest. Sacrifice, uh, again, uh, they didn't have animal sacrifices, but still there was the offering of sacrifices. And we, we see that when, when, when Cain and Abel sacrificed years later. But Adam was to serve as the high priest of his family, to serve as a, as a priest before God. Adam and Eve were to worship God in the garden and offer up to him through their everyday living, how they treated one another, offer up those spiritual sacrifices that were acceptable to God. And we lost it in the fall. But it's going to be regained when Christ comes back. We're a priesthood. He wants us now to train for that as we live out our lives here. So, we regain what we lost in the fall to be and to offer. So what, it mean, what does it mean for us that, to be a holy priesthood? God wants us to be a holy priesthood. What, what does that mean? Well, you think about the qualifications and the things that were given as it related to the Old Testament priesthood. And, and basically it simply means this. We're to be separated and consecrated to God. That's part of it. We are, we are to be separated and consecrated to God. Not just individually, but collectively. Collectively. We are to serve as priests. We are to be, we are to be separated. We are to be consecrated to God. And, and, and that's, we, we, we belong to Him. We belong to Him. But not only that, we are to serve as priests, offering up spiritual sacrifices to God. We don't come here in order to get to be entertained. We, we don't come here to see what amenities the church has for us. We come here to worship through our work of priesthood as we minister to one another, as we offer up sacrifices. We, and I'm going to show you what kind of sacrifices we offered up today, whether you realize it or not. We offered up sacrifices today. Because I'm going to go through the order of worship and show you how everything in that order of worship is designed and geared to offer up sacrifices to God. Every, every aspect of it. It's not just something that, that Jubal and I just throw together. It's not just something that, that we just kind of think, hmm, what would be nice to do? But there is, a, there is a reason why we do what we do because each of these things comprise a component of a spiritual sacrifice so that when we come to this place, we have an opportunity to grow in the exercise of our priesthood as we offer up, and hopefully maybe after today, even more intentionally, with more knowledge, with more understanding, that what we are doing when we come here is the opportunity to offer up to our great God these spiritual sacrifices together, which we don't get to do any other time except this time right here. We're together. We gain strength and we grow because together we have an opportunity together offer up these spiritual sacrifices that are not only acceptable to God, but allow us to grow. Allow us to grow. These sacrifices, also the text says, look at the text, to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. These sacrifices are only acceptable to God through Jesus Christ and dependence upon the Spirit. 
as we depend upon the Spirit of God to superintend what we do, to, 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 to guard what we do, to empower what we do, we offer these up through Jesus Christ. Through Jesus Christ. Because of Him. That's why lost people can't worship. If you don't know Christ today as your Savior, whatever you've done today is not worship. It's not. Only believers can worship. And so we come here to worship. So, what are these spiritual sacrifices? Well, Scripture tells us. Scripture tells us. We won't take the time to look at it, but you can... And these are just a, 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 a sampling. You can look at them later. Hebrews 13, 15, and 16. Romans 12, 1. Ephesians 5, 2. Philippians 4, 18. What are, the, what are these spiritual sacrifices? Praise and thanksgiving to God and practical loving service to one another. That's it. We don't bring a lamb. We don't bring a turtle dove. We don't bring a goat. We don't bring a bull. But we do bring sacrifices. You've heard me say this over and over. No sacrifices, no worship. No sacrifices, no worship. So how do we do this? If these spiritual sacrifices are praise and thanksgiving to God with practical loving service to one another, how do we do that Sunday by Sunday? I've got our order of worship right here. We start it with a call to worship. Call to worship. Why do we do that? So it gives us an opportunity not only to prepare our hearts and ask God to prepare our hearts, my heart, but to prepare all our hearts. That's what I'm praying. God, prepare my heart for worship. Help me to worship you well today. Help us as a church to worship you well today. Help us to be willing to serve one another and to be served where we need to be served at today. Lord, come into this place. And may you be glorified. I'm not just praying for me. I'm praying for us. Our, our order of worship is not just to get everybody in and get them to shut up and be quiet so Jubal can do what he needs to do next. Yeah, I heard that. These ears might be small, but they can hear. Okay, And when you're blind in one eye, all the other senses you know, pick up. <laughs> but it's an opportunity for us we pray we address God we address God for each other we address God for, for the current needs we address God for, for needs of our missionaries we address God for sister churches we pray and, and acknowledge that, that, that this is about God it's not about anybody, it's about God and that God's work goes beyond the four walls of this church. And, and we need to be aware of what's taking place in our world and pray for our leaders and, and pray for, for, for those uh, who, who, are, uh, who don't know Christ. And we, 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 we do that. And then, and then we, we sing. And by our singing, we speak spiritual truths to each other. I'm sorry to do this to you, Larry. Can you put up the last song that we sang, the new song? I, I want to go through this. We need to hear them. We need to hear ourselves say them to encourage our hearts and to remind us of the things that we forget because of the circumstances and pain we're going through. And we need to hear others sing it. That 
We know that, yes, they are standing too. They struggle too. But we stand shoulder to shoulder because of our connection with Jesus Christ. We've already mentioned our, 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 sister, our missions moment in sister church, our faith, fellowship, and service. We're reminded of the fact of, of, of here's opportunities for us to serve one another in tangible, physical ways. Opportunities for us to fellowship with one another because we need the fellowship of each other. We have meet and greet. And again, it's not just a time to kill. It's a time to be able to, to talk with somebody and, and, and to interact with their life. And sometimes we speak to a lot of people and, and sometimes that's needed. Just Somebody just needs a hand. But sometimes we, we stop and we pause. And we hear their hearts. Listen to their struggles and they listen to ours. And we're ministering. And it helps us to pray more intelligently for them. It helps us to weep when they weep and to rejoice when they rejoice. And as we come to Christ, as we keep coming to Him, and as, as, we, as we fellowship and that, and that interaction moves us to Christ to bring their needs and petitions before Him, we grow. God's building is getting built and it's glorious. It's glorious. Confession and praise. The opportunity to praise and thank God. Because there's some weeks it's hard to find anything to praise and thank God about. But we hear other people praising and thanking God. And, and it reminds us. It stirs our hearts. And we rejoice where, where God is working in their lives. And, 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 and if God's working in their lives, we know that God is working in our lives as well. And it gives us a chance to, 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 to lay everything aside and to focus completely on our God and say, God, we want to give you praise and we want to give you honor. And we want the people to know here just how great you are. And how marvelous you are. Our order of worship is not just some haphazard thing that's put together. It's done so that it gives us the maximum opportunity when we come here to offer up to Him spiritual sacrifices. Acceptable to God. It's intentional. It's purposeful. It's designed to help strengthen us as a church to move us to Christ, to come to Him, to be in all of Him, to leave here thinking how great and glorious is our triune God. So, how do these truths this morning relate to our identity? Three things real quickly. First, coming to Christ means coming into relationships with others, making us part of an everlasting community. When I came to Christ... I came to his body. I became a part of that structure. I, I, I've come, I, I not only now have a relationship with Jesus Christ, I have a relationship with you. I have a relationship with you. And that relationship now makes me part of a community that's going to last throughout time and eternity. And we're connected. We're not just connected to Christ, we're connected to each other. We're part of a family. We're part of a community. I'm not alone. 
I don't have to face the issues of life and the uncertainties of life and the tragedies of life and the heartaches of life and the joys of life alone. I have a community of faith that is even stronger than blood family. I have a community of faith that I can share these things with. I'm connected. I'm connected. That's who I am. That's who you are. You're not alone. Christ is with you. And, and that, that's enough. Christ also knows we need one another. It's not good for a man. It's not good for a woman. I'm going to kind of take this out of context, to be alone, okay? It's not good for us to be alone. We need each other. The second thing, thing is, is we must now understand ourselves not as self-centered individuals, but according to our role in God's spiritual house. It's not about me and Jesus. You know, me and Jesus down the road and me singing Jesus take the wheel, okay? It's not about that. It's about us. Us. And what role do we play in this part of God's structure that He is building and has been a building project that's been in process for over 2,000 years? And whatever, what, you, you, I mean, you may think, well, you know, a light socket isn't important. Well, why are that sucker wrong? And you'll see how important it is. Yeah. Wire it wrong. Stick a plug in there when it's been wired wrong and see how quick your house burns down. Well, it's just it's just a socket, it's just a wall socket. <laughs> yeah, just a wall socket. Whatever God's whatever role we have to play is an important role because we are serving God. We're offering it back up as worship to God. And he's worthy, whatever that role is. Whatever that role is. So, so that's how we need to understand ourselves. Not, not as this individual believer out there, you know, like Don Quixote, you know, fighting against the windmills of Satan. But together, together, we come together, we fulfill our roles, we fulfill our roles corporately within this local body, and as we fulfill our roles corporately in this local body, we're, we're part of the universal body of Christ, and, and, and we're being part and, 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 and having a positive, positive impact of the structure that God is building. And then finally, being, being, being an integral part of this community as priests who minister calls us to live transformed lives in accordance with the values and convictions of this new community. We're priests. We're priests. We're to live like it. We're to live like it. We have a different set of values, different set of standards, different set of how we conduct our lives. It's not just for the elders. As I've said over and over, the thing that is so unique about the qualifications of an elder is that there's nothing unique about them. <laughs> it's just being a good Christian. Just living out your Christian faith in your relationships, in your community, and how you handle business. There's nothing 
supernatural about it. It's just living, a, living an example of a Christian life. And that's what God calls us all to do. We're all priests that are offering up to Him these spiritual sacrifices. So we're, we're to live transformed lives. We, we are to come to this place not as consumers. We come to this place as servant priests. We, we don't come here as consumers. Well, what'd you get out of church today? Pfft, wrong question. <laughs> now, hopefully you do. Hopefully you walk out of here encouraged and hopefully you walk out of here closer to the Lord and hopefully you walk out of here uh, uplifted and, and built up. But that's the wrong question, if I'm understanding this text. The question is, what opportunities did you have today to serve, to fulfill your priesthood? And to offer up sacrifices. That's why we call our offering an act of worship. It's another aspect of it. I didn't get, I didn't get down that far. It's another aspect of it, where we get to offer up to God. Because you think about it. Why were we able to give uh, the Romains the money that we gave them? Why were we able to give the McCutcheons not only the money that we gave them, but the money that we gave to their ministry? Why are we able to give money to the Haiti relief for Jacques Alexander? Why are we able to sit in a building where every thermostat is set at 72 degrees? <laughs> and thank God for it. Why are we able to do that? Because when I give, it's not only an act of, of, of gratitude to God, but I get to serve you. I get to serve you. I get to make sure that when you come here, it's comfortable. And, and that when missionaries come our way, that, that, that they're taken care of. And, and that as you give, not only it allows me to be able to spend the time studying God's Word so that, that when we get up and preach, it, it's, just not, it's not pablum puke. Hopefully, it's, it's things that feeds you and encourages you and draws you. And, and that doesn't happen on you know, a Saturday night at midnight throwing everything together. It's hours and, and hours and hours of work and of prayer and of thinking and of meditating and reading and reading and reading, diagramming. How does that happen? It happens because as you give, you're saying, I not only want that for my life, I want that for the lives of everybody that's here today. We've got to get this individual thinking out of our heads where it's primary. Yes, there is an individual aspect, but we, we, that, we've got to get that out. Of, it, it's about us. It's about community and the opportunity to be able to be a blessing to other people, that everything we do is geared towards others, worshiping God, offering up sacrifices acceptable to God, and benefiting others. What are our spiritual sacrifices? Praise and thanksgiving to God, and practical, loving service to one another. And I am grateful to God we are doing this. 
Have we got room for improvement? We sure do. We sure do. But we're moving in the right direction. And I trust and pray that after today's message, things that maybe you hadn't thought about before, or maybe things that have reminded you of things you already know, or, or maybe things that are new to your thinking. But hopefully it will change all of us in how we approach this time each and every week. And I know it's hard. You got young kids, and I mean, they're fighting you all the way. And then that evolves into a fight with your spouse. And bless Lisa's heart. I mean, she's had to bring the kids when they were small. She had to bring them by herself every, every, every week. Every week. And, and I know there's all kinds of things. You know, we think about what's going on. Our hearts are broken about the things that have happened. We wonder, we, got, we think about tomorrow and what, what's on our plate. We're, we're concerned about things that are happening in our family. we got all these things that, 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 that just come in on. But this is a place where we can come and we can worship and we get the benefit of other people's service. Every one of you here today is, is experiencing the benefit of somebody else's service. If for nothing else, the fact that we're not in here sweating to death because we don't have the money to pay the electric bill. Every one of us is experiencing the blessings of someone else's sacrifice that is allowing us to be together and experiencing what we're experiencing today. God has been good to us. And the opportunities that are before us are being, becoming more and more like Him and, 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 and part of the grand structure of his, of his temple that is being built. It's beyond our imagination. May God help us. May God help us as we come to this house each and every week that we don't come here as consumers, but we come here as servant priests. And being a blessing and receiving a blessing for the honor and glory of Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word and for its instruction to us. Bless, we pray, each life here. For we pray these things in Christ's name through the Spirit. As heads are bowed and eyes are closed, as you know, we don't have an altar call, but we do have an invitation. You want to give us a time of silence for our hearts to be open and receptive to what God wants to do in our lives. If you don't know Christ as your Savior, that's where it starts. If you're not sure, you can call out to Him right now in repentance and faith and receive the gift of salvation. If you do so, we'd love to talk with you afterwards. Or you can come talk to one of us. Come to me. Come to Jubal. There's ladies in the church that can help. Our elders. Others can take the time to show you from the scriptures how you can know Christ as your Savior. Give you an opportunity to praise God for this great thing that He's called the church and the wonderful opportunities that are ours by coming to it week after week after week. The blessings that are ours 
opportunities of service, whatever you need. We want to go to the Lord in a time of silence. As you listen to the Spirit of God and, and yield to Him today, let's go before His throne.